We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to One on One, a KC Sports Network podcast. I am your co-host, Mike DeVito, here as always with nine-year NFL veteran and Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champion back in the good old days, Big (laughs) Jeff Allen. And we're here to bring you all things Chiefs football from a player's perspective, which is really not a great perspective right now, but we're going to talk about that, Jeff. But before we talk about that, let's talk about something that's nice to think about. And that's those dang cookies you guys are cooking yes, over sir. there at Cookie Society. Our sponsors, Cookie Society Cookies. Check them out. CookieSociety.com. They ship nationwide. You guys know the deal. You got to check them out this month. We got pumpkin spice, apple pie, all that stuff getting ready for the fall. We're in here. We got Halloween coming up. I don't even, then Thanksgiving, you guys are going to have what? A turkey cookie? Oh, man. <laughs> Anything Thanksgiving will be on the menu. Oh man, I can't cranberry cookies. I'm just I'm excited. Make sure to check them out. Cookieside.com. We love our sponsors and thank you, Jeff, for everything. Jeff, here we are, man. We're two and three. Uh, we lost to the Bills. We were talking about it before. Um, they were clearly the better team. Yeah. This is this is really, you know, I've been thinking about this podcast. And the game's been recapped a million times. And, and check out Casey Laboratory to go look at sort of all the details. The guys break the game down really well. Um, I don't know if we want to go there, but I just wanted to talk to you sort of broad, big picture thoughts on what's going. I mean, what do you think's wrong right now, Jeff? What do you what do you think's going on? Because this is not what we expected. Definitely not what we expected. I, honestly, this is the first game where, you know, we weren't the better team, yeah. and we lost. Um, yeah. So. Credit to the Buffalo Bills. They they won this game. It was no way around it. They were the better team. But it sucks being a guy in a locker room where, you know, you're fighting to get wins and, and things aren't going your way. Um, and all you, all you can do is put your head down and work. I know being on the offensive side of the ball up until the Buffalo game, you know, they have been, they've been putting up 30-plus points a game and, you know, moving the ball pretty well. And, and then the Buffalo game, it wasn't so well. But looking on the other side of the ball as an offensive player, it's kind of dejecting. I mean, it's like, man, every week you know you have to come out and give your A game where you have no chance. Um, and that's tough. That's not something that you have conversations with with the defense in the locker room, but those tensions are felt in the locker room. Yeah. You know, if I was a defensive player, especially if I was a leader, 
in that group, right? The, the Honey Badger, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, those guys. I would make it a point in the locker room in front of everybody or whether it be a team meeting to be like, hey, offense, we recognize this is on us and we're going to work together. Like you need to you need to call this out, I think, as a defensive player uh, and say, hey, you know what? We're going to get this right and let the guys on defense know that the leaders, you know, let the leaders on defense, let those guys know, hey, we got to fix this and let the offense know, hey, we recognize that this is us. And we're going to do what it takes to get, you know, turn the ship around uh, because you can't, this is the, the elephant is too in the room is too big now. I mean, it's yeah. too big to just, it's not just one game. I mean, this is the defense just looks like they're really, really having a, a tough time. Uh, and I don't know, you know, we talk about injuries and stuff. I don't know. God, Chris Jones is a beast up front, but I don't know if that makes, if that closes the gap that yeah. much. Well, I don't think one guy is going to fix it. It's a collective thing. It's a, a group effort. And when you look at the defense, the two biggest issues to me is tackling mm -hmm. and doing your job. I mean, there was a ton of blown coverages against Buffalo. Mm. Guys just not in the right position, giving up big plays. And that was the story of the game. Penalties, missed tackles, giving up big plays. You have no chance. And then on top of that, we turned the ball over and didn't get any turnovers. So, right. I mean, that's a recipe to, to lose every single game. Yeah, but you can't. We have to fix those things, um, let alone winning against a good football team like Buffalo. You have to make sure that you're doing everything in your power to, to put yourself in position to win. And, and the things they did, you know, this this past week, it, it was just wasn't good enough. Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking about um, I was listening to Andy Reid's recent press conference thing that he did. And he was talking about how defenses have changed up the scheme on how they prepare and play Pat Mahomes in that offense. And you probably know this better than you, obviously you know this better than I do, Jeff, but he said when, you know, early on in the Pat Mahomes era, he had a lot of teams playing man to man stuff uh, and, and forcing KC to try to beat them, you know, in man defenses in man. And obviously that worked out well for Kansas city. He said, now you're getting this deep zone stuff, this, this cover four stuff and what defenses are basically doing, and he didn't say this, but I'm, you know, this is kind of what I got from what he was talking about was they're going to let Kansas City keep everything in front, right? Take the chunk yards, take the little slants and all that stuff on the inside. We're not going to give you the bombs to, to Tyree Kill over the top. We're not going to give you the deep stuff. Uh, and then what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to let you, you know, you can march down the field you want, but you keep making these mistakes. You keep turning the ball over and keep having fumbles. Uh, and so we'll give you all that little stuff. We won't let you beat us with the big plays. And then we'll take advantage of the mistakes that you're making. And I was just like, that that's the, the best way to play this team right now. Um, because, like we said, the, the defense, the, KC's offense, Pat Mahomes and those guys, you see the way they're playing. They know they have to score every play. Yeah. The only chance they have to win is to score <laughs> every play because the defense is just, especially when the defense is playing a halfway good to good offense – that offense is going to score whenever they want. And so you see Kansas City's offense trying to uh, cover for them, and they keep making these mistakes, and teams are taking advantage of it. And so I think one all of that to say, I think one thing Kansas City can do on offense, we know the defense is the problem. We know there's a lot of issues that need to get fixed over there. I think one thing that can go, for a, go a long way is if Pat Mahomes brings those guys together and says, hey, look, let's get back to doing what we normally do protect the football, run the football well, none of these turnovers, none of these fumbles, and let's let's march down the field, do what we do, do our normal stuff. 
let's not worry about the defense. Let's not try to make plays where they aren't there. Let's not take these risks. Let's limit the turnovers. I think you cut those turnovers out. You still you, – that offense still got to go out there and score 40 points a game yeah. if they, you know, to be safe. But I think that could go a long way, don't you, to, to – and, again, not blaming the offense because it's certainly – if I was on that offense, I would feel the same way. But I'm thinking, you know what, they just need to slow it down, get their swagger back, get their confidence back, and do what they do. And that can cover for, you know, a lot of the stuff that's going on on the defense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we're not blaming <laughs> – Buffalo was a better team. Yeah, week. right, right, no doubt. That, 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 they were going to win that game. They were going to score one more point than us with the way that game was right. going, regardless right. of the situation. I think offensively, there's no need to overreact. I mean, the Chiefs still have a great offense. Up until, you know, this previous Sunday, they had, what, seven third downs? Yeah. They punted the ball at one time. Like, it's something crazy like that. Like, so offensively, they're still elite. The turnovers are kind of fluke-like. I mean, a lot of the turnovers have been off of drop passes from receivers. You see the one with a defensive end, got his hand up, tipped it to himself. Um, that was something where the right tackle probably should have had is been engaged with the guy and kept him from jumping up. Um, so there have been mistakes, um, but not mis just fluke mistakes, not anything that I'm, I'm worried about turnover-wise. The fumbles, um, that's just ball security. Um, but offensively, they're going to be okay. They're going to score points. I think – the answer is, you know, run the ball a little bit more. Yeah. The defense yeah. is playing these soft zones, sitting back, playing, you know, for the underneath throws and sitting deep, not letting Tyreek kill you over the top. Um, so we have to be patient. It's not going to be those five and six play drives. We're going to have to drive the ball 10 plus plays to get a touchdown. Um, and that's tough, especially for someone with with, with Pat's demeanor. He, he wants to take the kill shot. That's that's what yeah. makes him so great. Um but he's going to have to be a little bit more patient. You know, that's not going to be there. Teams are going to do this over and over. We talked about it before the Buffalo game. This is a copycat league. Yeah, They're going to see this until they show they can stop it. And, and Andy Reid spoke about it back in 2018, the year of Pat won MVP. There are some games during that year where we struggled against man. When yeah. we lost in the AFC Championship, we scored a ton of points in the second half. But what killed us was man, tight press coverage, making our receivers earn everything, man. And going into the offseason, we knew we had to work on beating man. And thankfully, the first quarter of the season, a lot of teams came out in that man defense thinking they could do what New England did in the FC Championship game, and we killed them for it. So now it's the it's the opposite. All right, now we got to figure out, you know, not just beat zone, but be patient, you know, continue to make the plays we've been making and not turn the ball over. Yeah. And I think they'll, they'll fix it. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I I like what you said, and, and Andy Reid said it in his press conference. He said, uh, Pat Mahomes is built like, you know, or wired like a linebacker. Yeah. I mean, he, he wants to hit, he wants to, you know, strike and strike often and, you know, and just bludgeon the team. So uh, I totally get that. Um, uh, and so it's a, it's a tension, right, of not slowing that thing because you want, you want your quarterback like that, right? You want yeah. him to be like that. But at the same time saying, hey, just raining in a little bit to get, you know, to, to, to take care of some of these turnovers. Uh, and, and that, you know, because you look at the score, 38 to, to 20, if you eliminate, you know, eliminate two or three of those turnovers, you know, I still, like you said, I still Buffalo gets the win, but that's, you're, you're going to be a lot closer. I mean, you're never going to beat Buffalo with four turnovers. No. You're not going to beat a good team with four turnovers. So I think uh, there's one other point I want to get into before we move on to this. I want to get your thoughts on. But before I do that, 
our sponsor. We got a shout out to Tickets for Less. If you're looking to score an unbelievable deal on Chiefs tickets, my friends at Ticket for Less have got you covered. Locally loaned for more than 17 years, ticketsforless.com has the best selection of chicks, chicks, Chiefs tickets for every game, all without the outrageous taxes or per ticket um, service fees you find on other sites. Plus, you can use our exclusive KCSN promo code from Tickets for Less to save even more. Use code KCSN21 at checkout to save big on any Chiefs order at ticketsforless.com. That's KCSN21. So, Jeff, the, 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 I wanted to ask you one more thing before we move on from this and get your thoughts. I, uh, when we were playing – back when I was with the Jets, we would play – we were playing – we obviously were playing New England all the time, and we were playing, you know, Tom Brady and stuff in his prime. And the one thing that the coaches would always bring up to us, and we knew as players, um, he would always say, look, they're, they're front runners. New England Patriots are front runners. They're yeah. so used to being ahead. They're so used to being on top that when they hit adversity, they just can't handle it. Um, they can't handle it. And so you got to cut the head off the snake, right? You got to stop Tom Brady and said, you get, a, you get one jump on them. You get a touchdown up, two touchdowns up. They're going to freeze because they're not just not used to being in those situations and they're not going to be able to come back from it. Do you think with some of the younger guys on KC, especially on defense, the way the momentum has kind of been going in, a, in the negative direction. Do you wonder at all that, or have you thought, because I've been thinking, does that description fit Kansas City? Not totally. I want to say they're front runners, but I do wonder if they're so used to being ahead. A lot of those guys are, you know, from the Pat Mahomes era, so the past two or three years, are so used to just crushing teams. Not even when you fall behind, used to Pat Mahomes getting you out of those situations. And now that's, you know, that's not the case. I wonder if that's shell shock a little bit for the guys in that locker room. I can't speak to it because I've never been on a team that had an offense like that. But I don't know. What do you think? Is, am I off? Does that fit in at all? Or? Yeah, I mean, that could be the case. Um, given the core of the team still being pretty much the same, you know, yeah. I, I wouldn't lean toward that because they know they've been down. There have been scenarios where, yeah. you know, they've had to come back and, and pull off wins and they've done it. But I think for some of the younger guys, I mean, they don't know what it's like. Um, experience is the best teacher. So for right. them, they're coming into a situation where the expectation is high. Yeah. Super high. And the guys that have been there are used to it. They've been in the FC Championship, you know, three times in a row, Super Bowl, right. you know, back-to-back -back years. So they're used to the expectation. They can perform. But being a free agent that comes into a new organization has this expectation, being a rookie, you know, sometimes – you know, guys can't handle that, and it takes a little bit of time, and it's up to the leaders to get them up to speed to get them to understand that this is what it's like here. You know, this right. is high stakes. We are we're – we're not the rabbit, you know. We, right. you know. we are, I guess. They're hunting us. Everybody, yeah. they're hunting us. They, they want to be where we are. Um, right. So, you know, it, we just got to figure it out. I mean, yeah. the team has to figure it out. Everyone – has to go back to the drawing board. And I know they are coaches, you know, yeah. every single position group, they need to all come together and, and figure this thing out because it could, <laughs> it could get ugly. I, I've seen it where it's gone the other way, no matter how talented your team is. I mean, I've right. been on some really talented teams that have won two games. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the, that's how, you know, hard it is to win in the national football league. If your team, one, you have to be good, but two, you have to have chemistry and the right. guys aren't on the same page. Um, 
you're liable to lose every single game. But I don't think this about this team. I think I think it's just one, the defense isn't very good. We can all agree on that right now. Right. Um, but there's been some bad luck. I mean, we lost some I mean the Baltimore game, for instance, like some of those games, even the Chargers game. I mean, like those those are games that we should have won that we didn't. And right. I know hopefully we don't look back at the end of the year and say, God, you know, that though if we won one of those two, you know, we'd be in the playoffs. But um, I, I think they'll they'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean you're right. I mean it's funny when you look at the schedule. You, you're jumping on the guys now, and 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 deservingly so. Right? I mean they haven't been playing well on defense, especially. But you take away one or two of those turnovers in the past couple of games, this is easily a four and one team right now. Yeah. Against the Browns, the Ravens, uh, L.A., um, and then Buffalo. I mean it's not like they've had an easy start to the year. Not at all. Uh, you're right. They have the leaders. They have obviously we we've said it a, a bunch. You know this whole year. You got Andy Reid. You got the right leaders. You got the right guys in that locker room to get it right. They will do it. Uh, and again, if it's going to happen at any point in time, you'd rather it happen now at the beginning of the season where they can fix the kinks, get the stuff right, and get back on the right track. Uh, you would you don't want this kind of breakdown like we've seen. You know, I I always think of the 2013 team where you start to have a breakdown. Week nine, week ten, you know, where things start to fall apart. So they'll get it right, Jeff. I, I believe that. But yeah. I, th- this was the first time in a long time that I agree with you that, and maybe I'm overreacting a little bit, but I, I said, wow, that you know, Buffalo is a lot better than Kansas City. Like well, they, 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 at this point, they are. I mean, you have to yeah. be honest. You, as much as we love the Chiefs, as we former players, and you can't be biased. You, you gotta, you gotta go yeah. by what you see and what we saw on Sunday. They were the better team, and, and yeah. we, we lost some games early this year where I was like, "No, we were the better team. We should have won." Right. Right. This one, they were the better team. So I right. mean, it, it is what it is. Um, we'll get better. Hopefully, they're not the better team down the stretch when it counts. Um, yeah. But as of now, they were, and 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 we got some soul searching to do, and we need yeah. to figure out how to win some football games. I mean, that's twelve games left, and we'll probably be the favorite in ten of them. Yeah, so, I mean. There's ton. There's tons of opportunities to win football games. Yeah, right. for us. yeah, this next week's a perfect one heading out to Washington. I mean, this is a team that is primed and ready for these guys to beat. Uh, but before we move on to that, I did want to. I, I thought something that'd be interesting for you and I to talk about, especially me, because I know a lot of times this happened to me in my career. But you know, some of those coverage breakdowns we saw last week. You know, you look and you say, you know, Sorensen looks like. He's, you know, he's struggling. Looks like a couple of those were, were on Dan. And then you listen to Andy's press conference and he says, yeah, you know, Dan just missed the coverage. And, you know, he, he's in a tough position and you were in a position like this. Defensive line is probably the least noticeable, but he's in a tough position where he makes a mistake like that. And it's going to look, it's going to, I mean, you're going to see it. You're going to know yeah. it and you're going to know it's him and it looks, it looks bad. And so, I wanted to talk to our listeners about what it's like to be a player going through um, a time where you know you're obviously you you know you're part of the problem, right? And everybody knows it. That the fans know it. The team knows it. I mean, you see all the pictures with the honey badger with his hands out like this, yeah. looking at Dan. So, um, you know, I've been there, and I know how much it hurts and. You know, it's so it's it's hard not just on you but on your family. I remember my wife would go on Twitter and argue 
with people who are saying bad things about me. And my family would call up and they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't say anything directly, but they would say, you know, how you doing? You okay? Like, cause I knew that they knew that yeah. everybody was, was on me. And you know, there are two times in my career I think of that would be really obvious. There was, you know, and again, playing defensive line, you know, a lot of this, a lot of your mistakes get, you know, shaped. Like you give up a sack, everybody knows it was you. The camera's yep. on you. There's a lot of stuff going on on the defensive line where I'm making mistakes and nobody has any idea. In fact, there are a lot of times I made plays making a mistake, and everybody's giving me, you know, saying good job, and I went, you know, I backdoored a double team or something and just got lucky, happened to trip up and, and get a tackle. But there were two times in my career that were obvious. There was one time we were playing Atlanta in 2009 with the Jets. And I just switched from playing in a an Eric Mangini type system, which is, you know, you take on a double team by taking a knee. So as soon as you engage, you drop to your knee, you shed the guy in front of you, and you just try to cause a pile. Um, Rex Ryan played it differently. Rex Ryan said, when you get a double team, you want to hip into it. You want to keep your feet, hip into it, and try to stay in there so that you can still be involved and be a part of the play. And we were playing Atlanta. And we needed to make a stop. And if we made the stop, we get the ball back to our offense and we have a chance to win the game. If Atlanta gets the first down, they can run the ball out and uh, and the game over. And it's a third and short play. And I'm at that three technique position. I fire off a ball and I start to play it like I'm like I'm you know playing it correctly. And then I just have one of those moments where I go back into my old thinking and and I go and I drop to my knee. And what that does is the guard goes right back up onto the backer. The, the tackle washes me down, and they pick up the first down. And everybody saw it. Everybody knew I was at the point of attack. Atlanta gets the first down, and now they can run the ball out, and we, we lose. And I just remember the guys knew it was me. The fans knew it was me. My family knew it was me. And, like, I, I cost us. And uh, those, there's just, I, I've never experienced, and thank God for it, I've never experienced anything as bad in the real world. You yeah. know, it's like the pit in your stomach when you know that everybody knows that you cost the game or that you made, you know, these awful mistakes that, that, that really hurt the team. There is no despair. I mean, there's despair out there like that. Trust me, I'm, but I have, it was just awful, awful. I mean, do you have any? Oh, man, I got a feeling though. I mean, O-line is different, man. We yeah. we play 70 plays in the game, and if you have three bad plays, you feel like a piece of crap. You know, one of those plays is a sack. You have a false start, a holding, you know, give up a TFL. And you just feel like an absolute piece of crap. Um, I remember my freshman season, we were playing Minnesota, and it was a, it was a close game. And... Um, it was third down. We're, I think we're in the red zone. We're close to the red zone. And I give up a sack, strip, fumble, touchdown, and we lose the game. Oh. And I can remember, like, everybody knew, like, the, the commentators talking about, hey, Illinois was about to drive in, you know, to score the game, winning touchdown. And, you know, coaches, my coaches picked me up, man. I was a freshman. I was so happy for that. Um, but, you know, young guys are like, man, we lost the game because of you, man. Like, golly. Um but one of the worst parts about that, one, you feel like crap. No one's more critical of themselves than great players. Um, right. and I don't care what you feel about any player in the NFL. All these guys are great players. They've made it to the, the mountaintop. 
they got something to them. So we all we all have that thing inside of us where we're ultra critical of ourselves, where no one's harder on us more than us. So right. one of the worst things is knowing you messed up and having to go into the film room and watch it over and over and over. Yeah. And you're hoping like, man, I hope they skip this play. Yeah. Um, but you just got to man up. Um, you got to man up. You got to understand. You got to be accountable. You know what you've done wrong. And you just got to fix it. And I think some of the best moments in my career were my worst moments because yeah. I learned from them. Those moments where I made that critical mistake or, you know, I gave up that sack, you know, that mm -hmm. pushed me even harder and made me want to do so much better that it made me a better player. So, yeah. you know, especially for someone like Dan, Dan had a rough game. I mean, everyone saw it, but Dan is, is the ultimate pro. Yeah. First in, last to leave. And one of the things that I know more than missing any tackle, more than, you know, you know, dropping an interception or, or getting beat, blowing an assignment, an MA, a missed assignment, that's something that you can control. Right. And I know that bothers him more than anything, missing an assignment more right. than anything else, because that's something that's just fundamentals. That's knowing right. what to do. That's doing your job. And and, and he's going to get that right. And there's a ton of other things to get right. But that, that for sure, I know he'll get that right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at what Dan has done, and I know the NFL is about what have you done for me lately, but yeah. I mean, Dan, you can look at a lot of Dan's resume and there are some crucial plays on there that are part of the reason. And if, you know, if not were the reason that this team's playing in Super Bowls and winning Super Bowl, I mean, he made some incredibly key play mm -hmm. plays. Yeah, he's for, for a fact. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have a ring without Dan. So shout out yeah. to Dirty Dan. Yeah, that's right. He's the spark plug. He's made some critical plays. It seems like every single game he makes a game-winning play. Um, right. We're going through a tough stretch right now. We all have those moments as professional athletes, unless you're like a Hall of Famer. I mean, those right. guys, are, they have those too, but they're very rare. Yeah. Um, but most guys have stretches where it's pretty tough. It just happens to be a stretch where we can all see it. Um, yeah. So Dan's yeah. going to get it right. We're with you. We support you, brother. Yeah, brother, no doubt, no question. Yeah, I remember seeing Revis getting beat by Randy Moss over the top. Yeah. Uh, so even the even the greatest get, get – I mean, everybody gets paid. So, yeah, brother. Well, we can talk about Washington. I, I think that – I mean, there's nothing really to say other than I think this is a perfect time for just another monumental bounce back. Like, let's get everything back on track, get the gears wrong. This is the perfect team to do it to. Uh, and and you got to go into Washington – with the mindset of we we have to murder these guys. Yeah. Like this cannot be like enough of this crap. Bury the football from the last game. We're coming in here and we're coming for the kill. Right? These guys got to be more motivated, more full of hate than they've ever been uh to get this stuff right and really make a statement against Washington that look this is this stuff is done. I mean, do you see it any other way? Yeah, man, this is a GPOT. Get back on track game. Mm -hmm. This is one of the ones where it's prime. I mean, Offensively, Washington, they, they have some, you know, weapons. But, I mean, the quarterback isn't the greatest. So right. this, could be, this should be a game where the defense is able to, you know, play well play, or well enough. Offensively, um, Washington has a really good front seven. I mean, Chase Young, I mean, every single guy across the front is a former first-round pick. Um, and they're good players. So that's going to be a test for sure. But I can't see any other way but – Knowing that their backs are against the wall and they have to win the game, that just that they're that they're supposed to win. Um, right. well, I see right. the Chiefs pulling this one out. Um, 
Yeah, and it'll make me feel better to make the entire Chiefs Kingdom feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chiefs Kingdom, we want to come back here next week talking about this W and getting things right. I did want to end on this, Jeff, because you're right. There's nothing more to say here. We just got to get it right. We've been saying it every week. Like, they just got to go out and do it. I mean, there's there's no special breakdown or anything like that. I mean, this is just, you know, like you said, get back on track. We did have an interesting situation with John Bruden in Oakland. It's like it yeah. is, it's, all this stuff going on, it's still better to be a Chief than a Raider anyway. <laughs> um, you know, you saw these emails come out, and, you know, I have so many questions about all of this stuff. But I, I did want to ask you, as a you know, as a person of color who spent so many years in the NFL and in locker rooms, um, you know what what I guess what is the NFL like for a person of color? Because this uh, this is really seen and like I'm not one yeah. I, I can't speak on it, but it just seems like an outlier. I think people get the impression from this that this is commonplace. And I just was curious what I mean, maybe this isn't the right way to approach, but I guess what what are your thoughts on this situation and probably just race in the locker room? I think from from a player perspective, like being a player, like I mean, we're 70 percent in the league, so we dominate that aspect of it. Yeah. So it's not seen on that front. But from yeah. a, from a, a leadership position like head coach, GM, yeah. you know, president of a team, there's not enough representation. And you yeah. can't tell me that there's not enough qualified guys. We got a guy in Kansas City and Coach E.B. who who should have been a head coach two, three years ago. Right. And we can speculate and we can say, you know, he doesn't interview well or, you know, he, he doesn't call a plays, make up all these different excuses. Right. Right. What it comes down to, it, it's a it's a bias. And it's a it's a it's a bias that I wouldn't necessarily say that it's all racism. Um, but people hire or more geared to hiring people that look like them. You yes. trust someone that looks like you. And it's something that you have to literally look at yourself in the mirror and, and say, hey, maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. Right. You know, did I not give this guy a fair shot? Did I not, you know, <laughs> listen right. to him in the interview? I mean, no disrespect to, you know, guys like I can remember when um, Joe Judge got hired as a special James coordinator from New England to becoming right. a head coach. How did he skip all of those steps <laughs> of a guy like EB who just – broke a ton of records as an offensive coordinator. Um, you can think of so many different scenarios where, you know, this is the case and all you can do is wonder is, you know, is race an issue with this? Um, and you'd have to be blind not to look at it that way. I mean, you could just be, just, you know, take and remove yourself, look at it from a different perspective. That's all I have to say for people that, you know, that don't, that doesn't see it that way. Look at it from a different perspective. And, and just understand, you know, fair is fair. And I'm not saying just give people jobs just because of the color of their skin. That's right, not what right. I'm saying. But if a guy is qualified, you know, give him a chance. Yeah. Yeah, it's a matter of sort of recognizing that bias in yourself. Like you said, you have to be intentional about that and thinking, okay, am I, you know, is this person just not qualified or am I looking at this? Am I looking at, am I looking at the wrong way, you know? Yeah. It was like, yeah. For the longest, it was that way with quarterbacks. I mean, yeah. look at the league. Right. You, you're telling me all of a sudden that, you know, black quarterbacks just got good overnight. There's right. always been good black quarterbacks. It was just ownership and coaches looking at themselves saying, hey, you know, we're looking at this the wrong way. You know, these guys can actually play this position. Same with head coaches, same with presidents. Right. You know, just give people opportunities, um, you know, for those roles, and, and you'll, you'll see the result. Because – and, and and again, correct me if I'm wrong, 
uh, please correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like within the locker room as players, like you said, I mean, you know, uh, the locker room is more diverse than anywhere. Um, But I, it didn't, you know, I don't know if I can, I can't remember one race issue as a player in my entire, you know, nine years in the NFL, being, you know, in all those different locker rooms all year long, it just was not something, uh, it was almost something that guys would joke about because it would be happening outside the locker room, but within the locker room, it just was no, like, not, not player to player. I never once felt uh, that, um, which but, made this so weird that that's what this was like. This is like, wow, I'm really surprised, but I was, and maybe I shouldn't, I shouldn't be, but I'm I just try like, to give people, I try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Um, even with the Gruden thing, when it first came out, I was like, you know, that was kind of insensitive, um, yeah. kind of toeing the line or saying something like that. But the more stuff that came out, um, you know, it's, it's more leaning toward, you know, this is who this guy is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just kind of hateful, which sucks, but, um, you got you to call it what it is. I mean, everyone read the transcripts and people say, oh, that was a long time ago. But you know, this is over the course of, you know, seven years. I mean, right. most recently in like 2018. So, I mean, I know people change, but um, you got to hold people accountable at some point. Right. And, and, and that's just the way the world works. You know, if someone makes a mistake and repeatedly makes a mistake, um, then you got to hold them accountable. And you and he, these are the same guys that are going out every week and putting it all on the line. Obviously, for them and their families, but it it's, it affects you know Gruden and everybody. No, yeah, it's stuck. It's stuck. It's the people, the people that I mean, I'm one of those people, but you know, groups of people that you know he said stuff about um, that can be offensive sometimes. Um, sure. You know, I try to not let stuff like that get to me. You know, I keep I keep it trucking, but. That does that does affect a lot of people, um, so you got to be. Words do hurt. I mean, I know, you know, some people are like oh, you, that doesn't hurt anyone, but words hurt people sometimes, especially people in marginalized groups. Um, so you got to you got to got to understand that you know those are sens- sensitive topics. You got to make sure that you know what you're saying, not only what you're saying, but what you're doing is good in the world. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. sucks for the players, for the Raiders, um, the entire oh, organization. Derek um, Carr, all those people, um, but you know what? What was supposed to happen happened. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine, you know, being like Carl. Uh, you know, when you look at, you know, those comments and you know, the guys. Not, I mean, I would, I would just, ah, man, that would be, that would be that's killer. Tough. It's hard to make make sense that, of. That, that's tough. I mean, and I'm sure the players that are in that locker room probably have a, a totally different perspective. Right about John Gruden. I mean, you heard Mike Tirico. He worked with him, you know, for years on Monday Night Football. He has a totally different perspective. But the one thing is, like, you never know someone's true colors. <laughs> like, you just don't know. I mean, he was a totally different person with Mike. Mike saw a totally different John. Um, right. John felt comfortable enough to send emails like that to, you know, another white guy and, and, and Bruce Allen. Um, and that was just their relationship. So I challenge everyone, like, be true to yourself. If that's who you are, be be that person with everyone. Yeah. I know that's a crappy take, but that's the truth. At least you know the true colors colors of someone instead of you know getting caught off guard. And if there's any sort of silver lining in any of this, is it, it continues to bring this stuff to the forefront to recognize, hey, this is 
you know, even in an even in an area like the NFL, in, in, a, in an arena like the NFL, where you're saying it's 70% people of color, mm-hmm. um, this is still an issue, and especially in upper management coaching positions, things like that. And so things like this, if there's any good to come out of this, not that it's ever good, but if there's any good to come out of it, just continue to bring awareness to the fact that we need to keep thinking about these things and and working to to move forward and get better. Um, but yeah, no, it was just so bizarre. I had to, I couldn't go without without asking you to get your thoughts on that because it was just man. incredibly. I'll give you my thoughts for sure. I think um, I think he has no choice but to get better from this. And yeah. not only that, I mean, anyone that has those types of feelings about you know women, about you know people's you know sexual preference. Right. And people color his skin. Like I challenge you to look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I'm I'm looking at this the wrong way. You know, you know, maybe I I can learn from John and learn that you know that's not the way to think. So, I mean, yeah, as bad as it is right now, there's some good that can come from it from learning experiences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy thing. Again, great. Bet, much better to be a chief. You don't see that <laughs> yeah, Andy, exactly. Andy Reid like that. So. Uh, but yeah, brother. All right, Chiefs Kingdom. That stuff behind us, the loss behind us. Let's get this W, go into Washington, get this win. Let's come next week, Jeff, and talk about how the Chiefs are back on track and how we're moving forward, brother. So thank you, Chiefs Kingdom, for turning in. Jeff, Jeff thank you so much for your time again, brother. And we'll see you all next week. Go Chiefs. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.